Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Today is August 17th, 2021, and our first story, New York City goes full 1984. Mayor Bill de Blasio signs an executive order mandating vaccines for most indoor activities, as well as an ID requirement. I confirmed by calling the city there is no medical exemption for anyone. No negative test will be accepted. Sorry, they said you're out of luck. In our next story, Joe Biden is getting slammed across the board by the media for the failures in Afghanistan. While some are praising Joe Biden's speech, even conservatives, they're recognizing that Biden botched the whole process. And now a lot of people are making some really good points. And in our last story, a vaccine manager in Tennessee turns out to have staged a hoax, according to an investigation, buying a dog muzzle and then claiming that it was sent to her because she was advocating for vaccines. The media lies. These individuals lie. They are staging these hoaxes and CNN propped this lie up. Now, if you like the show, please give us five stars and leave a good review. If you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Yesterday, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City announced that starting today, you will need proof of vaccination in order to enjoy all that New York City has to offer. They're calling it the key to NYC pass. And he says you will unlock all of these things, which means they've locked down again for half the population. It's only a little bit over 50 percent of the people in New York City who are vaccinated. And this will mean that all of those who aren't will not be able to go to most indoor activities. My friends, New York City has gone full 1984. It is worse than you realize. I decided to look into the executive order, the decree of despot Democrat de Blasio, to see what exemptions there were and whether or not they were actually being reasonable. Now, of course, I think across the board, vaccine mandates are unreasonable for a lot of reasons. But I thought maybe they're going to say, OK, look, medical exemptions, certain exemptions apply, and we're not going to bar people for this or that reason. It's kind of a yeah, no, no, it's it's airtight. Actually, I shouldn't say it's airtight because oddly, you are allowed to go inside without a vaccine if you're a performer, friends with a performer, going to the bathroom, performing repairs. It's really strange, actually. But I looked into it and uh, one thing I noticed, there's no medical exemption. Now, certainly that must be a mistake. I was on Twitter not too long ago and I was having a good little tweet with Cameron Kasky. You may be familiar with him one of the kids from Parkland. And I would say, while he's probably not identifying himself as a Democrat voter, he falls in the establishment Democrat tribal block, whatever that really means. But that's typically where his opinions lie. And I was talking about Google and other companies fi- uh, mandating vaccines for their uh, companies. I said, this, the problem with this is that there are people who have medical conditions that bar them from getting vaccines. To which he responded, don't you think there will be me- uh, medical exemptions for these mandates? Well, I assumed yes, but my point was also, but there are people who have medical issues 
where they're not barred from getting the vaccine, but have to make a difficult personal choice. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Some people are immunocompromised and the doctor says it could go either way. I I don't want to recommend it or tell you not to get it. One story of a guy saying his doctor said, well, you should get it, but I'm not going to administer it to you, which is kind of mixed signals you're getting from your doctor. Like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to trust you. Ultimately, I think what this comes down to is people should not have to out themselves as having some kind of illness or, or disorder or disease to justify going to a restaurant. But more importantly, my friends, the law also states you must have an ID. Amazing. You want to go to a restaurant? Show your ID. You want to go to a bar? ID. Gym? ID. Now, a lot of these places that require membership require that. Anyway. Like, okay, so bars, you need an ID to get in anyway. Cafe? ID. Markets? ID. You now need an identification to get in anywhere. Is that really what's going on? I'll tell you why this makes me angry. And I'll tell, and, I, and I called the city and I called some lawyers and man, I'm heated on this one. Maybe you're a fan of the Timcast IRL podcast. It's my, it's the more conversational show we do at 8 p.m. If you've seen the show, then you know Lydia. If you haven't, Lydia is the producer who does the camera switching and, and things like that. Lydia confirmed to me that it was okay to talk about this. She has multiple sclerosis, which means because of this disorder and uh, autoimmune, defi- uh, auto- autoimmune issues, she is ineligible for the COVID vaccine. In fact, her doctor says you cannot get this. So that's why I called the city and I asked them, what does this mean for, for me, my friends? And they said straight up, too bad. No joke. There is no medical exemption in New York City's mandate. If you, for some reason, are immunocompromised, maybe you have cancer, they are telling you you will not be able to access services in this city. This is some kind of creepy, I don't know what you want to call it, eugenics. Only the strongest are allowed. I find it disgusting. It's fascistic. And these businesses are going along with it. Save some. Because we have one story of one business in Brooklyn saying no. But let's talk about this. And then we've got other news. Because aside from this, boosters are here. The New York Times announces that boosters are going to be ad- advised now by the United States. I want to show you what the, what the story is and the vaccine mandates and go through all of this. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to support our work, our journalism. I made a bunch of phone calls today. As much as the left tries to claim, or I shouldn't say the left, but as much as the... Uh, uh, I don't know, establishment authoritarian individuals try to claim I'm not doing journalism. I made the phone calls because I and, and I do this and people don't just don't want to recognize that I'm doing it. Support that. And I'll show you. I'll tell you exactly what they told me when I called. I called two different human rights lawyers in New York City and I called the city itself. And I'll tell you what they said. Support us at TimCast.com. You also get access to behind uh, to members only content. We've got a few new shows being launched and you will get an ad free experience. Let's jump into this first story so I can tell you what's going on with the vaccine mandate. And then I want to tell you what I learned and what people in the city are doing. Gothamist reports. Mayor Bill de Blasio signed an executive order on Monday that rubber stamped New York City's COVID-19 vaccine requirement for a host of in-person activities. Two weeks ago, when the city first announced the initiative known as Key to NYC, it only applied to dining indoors at restaurants, working out at the gym and attending indoor entertainment venues. The mayor has now expanded the policy to nightclubs, pools, all city museums and all uh, and other cultural institutions. Quote, we want people to enjoy the fullness of the city, but you got to get you got to be vaccinated to do to do it. Mayor Bill de Blasio said at his Monday presser, it's going to be a reason for people to get vaccinated, particularly younger people. And we know how important that is. 
that's the reason. I thought their health would be the reason. And I thought they going to their doctor to discuss their health would be their reason. As I always state, the city should not be telling you what to do. You should talk to your doctor and come to the decision that's best for you. That's not what New York wants. Businesses have until September 13th to come into compliance, at which point city agencies will start conducting inspections and issuing penalties for violations. Many restaurants have already begun checking customers' vaccination status at the door. Overall, some 56% of New York City residents are fully vaccinated, but there is still wide variation between demographic groups. The figure for those 18 to 24 hours at 55 compare with 79% of those 65 to 74. But the rates drop again among older senior citizens to a low as 56% over 85. A group of elected officials representing Staten Island have said they plan to sue the city over the vaccine requirement, calling it a violation of people's rights. But the mayor and city health officials argue that the initiative will help people feel safer working at and patronizing restaurants and other businesses while allowing the city to fight the highly contagious Delta variant. My friends, this is a human rights violation that discriminates against people based on medical conditions they cannot control. That straight up should be a violation of the ADA. But I don't know if you're considered to have a disability based on your, you know, uh, some underlying condition. Uh, and that's why I wanted to call the city and ask them. They say, what will I need? Oh, I'm sorry, where will I need to show proof of vaccination? Let me jump over to Mayor Bill de Blasio himself. Here's an image he posted. The key to NYC unlocks movie theaters, live music, concert venues, museum and galleries, aquariums and zoos, professional sports arenas, stadiums, convention centers, exhibition halls, performing arts theaters, bowling alleys, arcades, pool and billiard halls, recreational game centers, casinos, adult entertainment, restaurants, catering, event spaces, hotel banquet rooms, bars, cabarets, nightclubs, cafeterias, grocery stores with indoor dining, bakeries, coffee shops, fast food, quick service with indoor dining, gyms, fitness centers, fitness classes, pools, indoor studios, dance studios and sports classes. Notice they said grocery stores with indoor dining. Pretty sure that means like Whole Foods in New York City, because you can go into these places and they have seating areas for you. Whole Foods has, has in New York, in, in Washington Square, has, uh, I think it's in, no, no, I'm sorry. It's at, uh, is that Union? Yeah, Union. They've got uh, uh, a seating area upstairs for people to go and eat. That's indoor dining, isn't it? You can't go to Whole Foods now? This is disgusting. It is beyond disgusting, but my friends, it gets worse. They say a wide range of indoor entertainment back at the Gothamist. All, all of these rules apply to staff of these establishments and unvaccinated people can still get a table at a bar or restaurant as long as it's outdoors. They say which venues are exempted. The, the, exempted, uh, the list of exemptions include residential and office buildings, churches, community centers, and schools for pre-K through 12th grade. What forms of documentation will be accepted? They say in order to enter venues covered by the rule, you will have to show ID along with proof of vaccination. Accepted forms of proof include a CDC card or an official immunization record from outside the U.S. If you're worried about carrying these documents around, you can pull out a physical or digital photo. The NYC COVID Safe app is one option for storing a photo of your vaccination card. The policy does not mention private vaccine passports made by companies like Clear or Common Pass. They mention Excelsior, etc., and they go on to say, what if I just want to use the bathroom? Okay, now here's what gets weird. I want to pull up the actual law and show you the exemptions. They say that you can go to the bathroom, you can come in, whatever. They mention uh, which vaccines are available. What if I use a fake record? Because U.S. vaccine cards carry the CDC seal, it's a federal crime to knowingly make, use, obtain, buy or sell a fraudulent version. That's according to a public service announced by the FBI in March. Under current state law, 
forgery of a written document constitutes either a class A misdemeanor uh, or a class D felony up to seven years in prison. I think the craziest thing about all of this is that you're actually going to need identification. They say, do I have to show ID? In order to enter venues covered by the rule, you will have to show ID along with proof of vaccination. Accepted forms of proof include a CDC card or an official immunization record from outside the U.S. That's right, my friends. You will need to show your ID. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. I called I called uh, uh, NYC via 311 and I uh, simply asked them. Uh, a woman answered and I said, uh, I'm curious about the vaccine mandate right now. If someone is unable to get the vaccine due to an underlying medical condition, is there an exemption? And the woman went, no. And I was just like, really? No. And I was like, oh, so they can't go to restaurants. They can't go. No. Are you sure about that? Just no, you can't. Sorry. And I was like, that sounds awfully definitive. You know, I didn't say that to her, but I was like, okay. I was like, well, that's kind of crazy. Like, my friend has MS. She can't get the vaccine. Does that mean that she's not welcome in the city? She can't. And the, the lady was like, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's there's no exemptions. The exemptions are she's like, what? what is it? There's some exemptions, but that's not one of them. Can I put you on hold real quick? I'll pull them up. She comes back on. She uh, she then reads me the list of exemptions. I have that list. It's kind of ridiculous who is exempted from this. Musicians are exempted. Sports teams are exempted. But people with underlying condition, maybe you have cancer, maybe you have MS. Your doctor tells you you can't get the vaccine. Maybe you've had you had Guillain-Barre syndrome. Sorry, you're not welcome in New York City unless you use one of these loopholes. I guess I'm a drummer and I'm here to eat some food and then drum or something because Pete Parada, uh, uh, formerly of the offspring, that's who I'm referring to. I decided to call some human rights lawyers because this to me was shocking. The idea that they could they could tell someone with a medical condition you are not allowed in the building to me is insane. How did we come to this point? Rather fascistic, isn't it? The first uh, uh, firm I called, the guy said, look, we don't cover this stuff. I can't help you. I'm sorry. And I was like, OK. And they says we are a discrimination, uh, um, you know, and, and, you know, law firm. But uh, look, man, we've been getting hundreds of calls on this issue, and I just I just tell people we can't help them with this. And I said, thank you for your time. Have a nice day. He said, have a good one. I hung up. Called another firm. Lawyer pops him on the phone, and I said, uh, I just had a question about what was going on with the vaccine mandates and underlying medical conditions. I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. No, thank you. Have a nice day. Bye. Click. That was weird to me. It was weird. I called two firms. I'll call more strapped for time. I don't have time to call every single law firm in the city. But the reaction I got from these two firms was almost just like fear or refusal. I wonder if some of these these uh, uh, lawyers are just like vaccine zealots and they land in the tribe of everyone should be forced to get it. And so their attitude is like, screw you. I don't care. Bye. And I asked them, I'm like, but I'm talking about medical conditions. They don't care. They don't care about you. They don't care about your loved ones. It's rather illiberal. You know, 
We used to be trying the, our best to, I, I, I guess, help people. You know, you, 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 you build a building, you put a wheelchair ramp on it. I like that idea. I agree with that. Someone says, hey, we want to build a building. It's a store. Okay, well, all new buildings have to include a wheelchair ramp. It's fine by me. You haven't built the building yet. It's not that much to consider when you're putting the stairs up. You put a wheelchair ramp in. I think it helps a lot of people who are, you know, uh, unable to use stairs. In fact, wheelchair ramps aren't even about wheelchairs. Some people struggle to go up the stairs and would rather walk up the slow incline. Maybe they're older. I like the idea. It's like, okay, all new buildings. We'll do it that way. I also have no problem with the bathroom stuff they do in New York. They're, they make single-use bathrooms. New buildings just have like four bathrooms and they're all single-use. I prefer that. I think it's fine. I think it's fine if you're like, just do it this way from now on. They're moving away from that. They're saying, no, we decided that people with disabilities and underlying medical conditions, screw you. You're not welcome in the city. Only young, able-bodied people who fall in line are allowed to go to our restaurants, gyms, movie theaters, clubs, etc. Here's the executive order from de Blasio. And wait until you see the exemptions. Amazing. Requiring COVID vaccinations for indoor entertainment, recreation, and dining from August 16th. Whereas the pandemic has severely impacted New York, whereas, 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 we get it. Now, therefore, pursuant to the powers vested in me by the laws of the state of New York and the city of New York, including but not limited to the New York executive law, the New York City Charter and the Administrative Code of the city of New York, and the common law authority to protect the public in the event of an emergency. Section one, I hereby order that a covered entity shall not permit a patron, full or part-time employee, intern, volunteer, or contractor to enter a covered premise, premises without displaying proof of vaccination and identification bearing the same identifying information as the proof of vaccination. I thought mandating ID was racist. I thought uh, minorities struggled to get IDs. This is Bill de Blasio. Is this going to impact voting now? Two. I hereby order that the following individuals are exempted from this order and therefore may enter a covered premise, premises without displaying proof of vaccination, provided that such individuals wear a face mask at all times, uh, at times they are unable to maintain six feet of distance from other individuals inside the premise. This is, when I saw this, I said, okay, okay, okay. Certainly they're going to have the medical exemption, right? A. Individuals entering for a quick and limited purpose, using a bathroom or picking up an order. Don't need a vaccine passport for that. A non-resident performing artist not regularly employed by the covered entity while they are in a covered premise for the purpose of performing. That means if you're a touring musician, you're allowed to be in the bar. What? How does that make sense? You're traveling out of state and you can come in the bar? A non-resident professional athlete or sports team who enters a covered premises as part of their regular employment for purposes of competing and non-residential individual accompanying a performing artist or professional athlete team into a covered premise as part of their regular employment. So long as the performing artist or professional athlete are performing or competing in the covered premises. Isn't that amazing? So if uh, you get a guitar and you call a bar and say, I'd like to play, you know, a show. You can hang out at the bar, you can eat food, you can schmooze, you can cheers, you can bring your friends. That's right. They're allowed in too. From out of state, non-residents from out of the city. But if you're someone with MS or cancer and you wanted to go see a comedy show, maybe Ryan Long is performing. You love the comedian. Sorry, you're not welcome. Maybe you should uh, 
We'll bring them up on stage and, and, and pay them to perform for just a few minutes, and then they're allowed to sit there, huh? I hereby direct each covered entity to develop and keep a written record describing the covered entity's protocol for implementing and enforcing the requirements of this order. Such written record shall be available for inspection upon request of a city official as followed by law. He says that I hereby direct each covered entity to post a sign in a conspicuous place that is viewable by prospective patrons prior to the entering of the establishment. The sign must alert patrons to the vaccination requirement in this order and inform them that employees and patrons are required to be vaccinated. The Department of Health and Mental Hygiene shall determine the text of such sign and provide a template on its website that a covered entity may use. A covered entity may use the sign available at NYCGov, etc., etc. Now, there is one thing they do mention that he says this. I hereby direct the city's Commission on Human Rights to develop guidance to assist covered entities in complying with this order in an equitable manner consistent with applicable provisions of the New York City human rights law. The challenge there is that this is why I was calling the lawyers. Is it considered a a disability if you have some underlying medical condition where your doctor says you can't get a vaccine? Not being able to get a vaccine isn't a disability. So that's why I called the lawyers who refused to answer the questions. I don't blame them. They're private practices. They don't have to answer any questions I have. And that's why I asked uh, uh, New York, uh, the, the city itself. And I specifically chose to dial New York City's 311 number. This is their city services non-emergency line. I did that because this is the general inquiry line for vaccine mandate information. In fact, when you call them, the first thing they say is if you're looking for information about these things, press one or these things, press two. And you press two, you get an individual comes on and says, what do you want to know about this? And the reason I did that is because regular citizens of New York, that's the number they have to call. Businesses, that's the number they call. There is a special line for businesses. I was directed to ask the mayor himself because they said there is nothing we have saying you will be exempted for medical reasons. That's insane. I know I keep harping on the medical thing, but can I also point out that they're demanding IDs again? There's no exemption. And that means that if you're a business in New York and you call saying, hey, I got someone here who's in a wheelchair and sick saying that they've got a negative test and they're ineligible. Here's a letter from their doctor. They're going to say, no, you can't let them in. He says, Bill de Blasio in his order, I hereby direct that any person or entity who is determined to have violated this order shall be the subject to a fine penalty and forfeiture of not less than $1,000. If the person or entity is determined to have committed a subsequent violation of this order within 12 months of the initial violation for which a penalty was assessed, such person or entity shall be subjected to a fine penalty and forfeiture of not less than $2,000. For every violation thereafter, such person or entity shall be subject to a fine penalty and forfeiture of not less than $5,000. If the person or entity committed the violation within 12 months of the violation for which the second penalty was assessed, the order may be enforced pursuant to sections 3.05, 3.07, and 3.11 of the health code and sections 558 and 562 of the charter. I hereby suspend Appendix 7A of Chapter 7 of the rules of the city of New York to the extent it would limit a violation of this order to be punished with a standard penalty of $1,000 or a default penalty of 2000 Covered entities shall comply with further guidelines issued by DOHMH to further the intent of this order and increase the number of vaccinated individuals in the city. The emergency executive order shall take effect on August 17th, 2021, except for section nine of this order, which shall take effect on September 13th, 2021. So he is giving just a little bit, about a little bit of time, just shy of a month to fall in line. Sickening and disgusting. There are some people who are refusing to back down.
from the Daily Mail. He's segregating people. NYC diner owner says he won't demand proof of vaccination despite de Blasio's new mandate that he says is no better than no better than discriminating against black people, Muslims or gays. In fact, that is true. The lowest vaccination rates are among the black community. Isn't it hilarious that they say voter ID is racist because minorities can't get IDs? Well, here we have actual evidence that there is a minority community being negatively impacted by this. And what do they do? They say, so what? Never accept the voter ID argument from these people ever again, based on what they're doing in New York. I want to see every Democrat stand up and condemn the racism of New York. And you know what? I will say it outright. Yes, I believe what New York City is doing is doing is systemically racist. I can complain about wokeness all day and night. The authoritarianism I can't stand. But I can tell you this. Implementing policy that is a detriment to someone based on race, I believe is wrong. It's not so easy to go through everything with a fine tooth comb. That's typically the issue. My complaint with affirmative action, because Asians are being barred based on their SAT scores, because they're held to a higher standard just by virtue of looking a certain way. That is wrong. In New York City, we know for a fact that there are racial minority groups that are under vaccinated and barring them is wrong. Now, to be fair, New York City didn't say explicitly these racial groups aren't allowed. But perhaps we should consider the impact that our policies have on people in different communities. I've long felt that way. I just don't like the idea of how the woke are saying we should discriminate. That's wrong. You should not. Ibram Kendi's position is that there, there should be more discrimination. I don't think there should be. And to be fair, I suppose an argument to say the, the policy doesn't actually discriminate. You know, and what, what, what would they do, I suppose, if they were to implement a policy exempt certain races? You can't do that either. How about this? You just don't have the policy. You encourage people to get it. Private businesses, to a certain degree, can do what they want based on size, I think. And I, I think based on size, meaning small businesses. The challenge, I suppose, then, is New York City is all small businesses. So what do you do? I don't have all the answers. I, I try to be more liberty minded. I don't necessarily want to say libertarian, but respecting the freedoms and, of, of individuals. There are certain limits. I don't think people should discriminate on the basis of race for their for their small business in a city. But I do think within reason, business have a right to decide. Ultimately, it comes down to, I guess, personal morality. It's not an easy situation. There are ethical conundrum, conundrums everywhere. But I can tell you this. New York City right now has decided to segregate people. It's not just against uh, people based on race. It's against people who by no fault of their own are unable to get that vaccine. And I have warned over and over again. And when I said this on Twitter and Cameron Kasky's like, oh, there's going to be medical exemptions. Yeah, well, not here. And y'all champion this stuff. Mary Josephine Generoso, manager of Pasticeria Rocco in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, told DailyMail.com the city is segregating people. She described the proof of vaccination requirement as a step to before civil rights, as a step, as a step to before civil rights movement. It would be like cha uh, changing the words vaccinated and unvaccinated to black and white. De Blasio pushed back on the backlash in a press conference Tuesday, saying this is not discrimination. It's about protecting people. Yeah, right, you scumbag. A New York City, city diner owner, diner owner has blasted de Blasio's new vaccine mandate. The manager of the pastry shop uh, told Daily Mail that they're segregating people. To put up a sign saying only vaccinated people can enter is segregating people. De Blasio is segregating people. It's the same as him saying you can't let a gay person into your business. The mayor fired back. Restaurants are required. Look at this. Look at this. Here we go. Here's the image. 
Uh, so we do not discriminate against any customer based on sex, gender, race, creed, age, vaccinated or unvaccinated. All customers who wish to patronize are welcome into our establishment. Bravo to this restaurant. Pasticceria. It's, it's uh, Pasticceria Rocco in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Brave and stunning. Standing up in the face of de Blasio threatening these fines. When people stand up and say no, it's when freedom wins. We cannot let these despots win. It's only going to get worse, my friends. I bring you now to the New York Times. You may have heard the news. The New York Times reports U.S. to advise boosters for most Americans eight months after vaccination. Nursing home residents and healthcare workers will most likely be the first to get booster shots as soon as September, followed by other older people who were vaccinated last winter. Dave Rubin tweeted about this, remember? Twitter suspended him. He was right. He said booster shots are coming. He said that um, vaccines weren't working as promised. Well, I don't know who he was referring to when he says promised, but the point is, if you were under the assumption that you'd get the vaccine and it would be a surefire, you know, preventative measure, that's not true. In fact, YouTube actually bars people from telling you that it is. All I can tell you right now is, Always go and talk to your doctor about what makes sense for you based on your health. And that's why I'm livid about what's happening in New York City. They defy that. That's why I can't stand the celebrities. They defy that. The celebrities come out and tell you to go do it. And I'm, I'm sick of hearing this because I know people who are affected by this. And it's, it's sickening when I see these people on Twitter with their massive million followers are like, hey, everybody, go do it. And I'm like, no, go to your doctor. And they're like, you're scaring people. You just don't know anybody affected by it, so you don't care. I love it when the Democrats go online and say Republicans only care about vaccines when it's their friends who get sick with COVID. Sure, fine, whatever. You only care about this because you don't know anybody who's barred from getting the vaccine. You go to the doctor, you talk to them. In some circumstances, the doctor says no. That's between you and your doctor. The celebrities go out here and just say, do it, do it, do it. No, don't take advice from stupid people on the Internet. Take advice from your doctor. Then you get the New York Times coming out and just saying, OK, we're going to be doing booster shots. So what does that ultimately mean? They're going to mandate vaccines for all these businesses. And then every few months, they're going to say, did you get your update? And that's it. Now we're mandating people get these things. It's it's listen. I, 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 I don't know what else to say. The time is now. It's not going to happen later. It's not in some distant land. It's here. New York City is actively discriminating against people for medical reasons, and they don't care. It's disgusting. Not to mention, I mean, ultimately, I believe people have a choice about what makes the sense for them. So even if someone isn't, doesn't have cancer or something, maybe there's a woman who says, I am actively trying to get pregnant, and I'm concerned about taking a treatment for this time. In fact, the CDC did come out and say it's fine for pregnant women to get it, but people will still weigh the risks on their own. And, and there are doctors who will say, for this reason, you are in a different category. They just don't care about individuals. They never did. They care about the authority. And there are people on Twitter who are going to champion this stuff like, like despotic psychopaths. We cannot allow the authoritarians to win. We can be responsible. We can defend our community. We can believe in doing right by public health, but not like this. De Blasio didn't even give a legitimate mandate for people who are unable. He didn't even allow people to get negative tests. That's the other thing I called. I said, what if you just got a negative test? They said, no, no. Not that the negative test, in my opinion, matters anyway. 
I give you a glimpse of where we're headed. In New Zealand, even CNN finds the story to be shocking. New Zealand announces it's locking down the entire country, dot, 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 over one COVID case. One. Insanity. We see this. Several hundred defense force troops and police will flood Sydney in an unprecedented show of force. You know this. I told you this. The soldiers have been deployed. We have this from The Guardian. Military medics should help run Sydney mass vaccination hubs. Albanese tell PM, tells PM ADF should be used to support health workers rather than police. OK, rather than police makes sense. Either way, though, they're talking about military takeover of the operation. They are talking about martial law. You want to know what they can do in Australia? Last year, state of emergency powers are in force across Australia to combat coronavirus. Here's how they are being used across the country. It's from about one year ago, but it's going viral now because the emergency powers extend into any emergency orders today. Here's what they say. South Australian authorities can use any force necessary. Any. They say authorized officers can break into any land, building, structure, or vehicle using whatever force necessary. Direct or prohibit the movement of people, animals, or vehicles. Put people in quarantine. Order people to undergo medical exams, tests, or treatment. Compel people to give information. What does this have to do with public health? Demanding information from people. Australia is, 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 is in dire straits with this. And it can happen here. And it's starting. We're a couple months behind everyone else. That's the way it goes. We have a Bill of Rights. Perhaps it will protect us. But I bring you now to this story from TimCast.com. Wrongful termination suit filed against Houston Hospital over vaccination requirements. The judge said the public's interest in having a hospital capable of caring for patients during a pandemic far outweighs protecting the vaccination preference of 116 employees. The plaintiffs are not just jeopardizing their own health. They are jeopardizing the health of doctors, nurses, support staff, patients, and their families. So they lost. The hospital is being sued again. But it, it won't matter. Harmeet Dillon, famous lawyer, says, I've had to break the news to hundreds of people who call email, given the federal and state employment agency and DOJ guidance on legality of employers mandating vaccines, which I disagree with and which is at odds with how they treat similar issues. Workers have few rights. Absent a bona fide medical or religious exemption, employers don't have to accommodate your preference. And even then, they have ways around a valid exemption and can also shame you with a special tags and masks and such encouraging coworkers to peck you to career death. Now, let me just pause for a minute and explain my position. I have said before that I'm in favor of businesses requiring vaccines for their employees. And some people challenge that saying, how, how can you rectify that or reconcile that with, with, you know, being libertarian? No, hold on, hold on. It's, it's not easy. It's not like we can just write down something and say it applies in all circumstances. There's nuance. What I mean to say is there's a guy, he hires two or three people. He's maybe 80 years old. And he's like, I don't want people coming in my house unless they're vaccinated because I'm old and at risk. I, I'm OK with that. There may be a small sandwich shop and they have five staff and they say, I want everybody you know, to have a vaccine because I'm immunocompromised. I'm like, it should be a small business can say, here's who I choose to associate with. But it changes with scale. In this instance, this hospital has 24,947 employees. It's very, very different then. Because now you're talking about effectively a small village of people being denied work. That's where things change. And I will tell you this too. 
I don't have all the answers. I'm not the arbiter of truth and morality. I can't tell you what to decide and what you should support. And you're you're, you're absolutely free to disagree with me and tell me why I'm wrong in the comments below. And as you know, those of you who have watched my show in the past, you know, absolutely my opinions change when presented with a good argument. I'm sure all of the libertarians loved it and the anarchists when Michael Malice came on and told me that the police are barring his right to keep and bear arms. So he wants to abolish them. And I was like, that's a good point. People have right to keep and bear arms. Constitution uh, is supposed to stop the government from from obstructing, but the government does it anyway from interfering, from infringing. So the point is, I don't have all the answers. I want to protect the individuals. It's tough. I think probably staunch libertarians would be okay with big businesses demanding whatever they want of their employees. But it affects society as a whole and creates this this untenable situation, which is why I think businesses should not be allowed to discriminate on the basis of race or gender, etc., or on medical condition. But I can't pretend to know all of the hidden truths of the universe, and I can't pretend to know what will happen if we implement certain policies. I can only tell you that right now I know people who are personally affected by the psychotic nature of what New York City is doing. And I can tell you this, that as it spreads, and it is, it will come to impact you and the people you love. And then what? I don't know. It's creepy. But I hope we don't go the route of Australia or New Zealand. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. What's happening in Afghanistan is the fault of Joe Biden and his administration, and it's another example of the failures of this president. And don't take my word for it. There's a veteran named Matt Zeller who gave this impassioned speech on MSNBC saying they tried over and over again to give the Biden administration a plan to say this is what is going to happen. This 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 fall is coming and you must prepare for it. And they didn't listen. He said the Biden administration was more concerned about looking bad than actually making sure it didn't go bad. Well, it's funny how you get that self-fulfilling prophecy. When you don't plan, you what is what is saying? It's if you don't plan, you're planning to fail. Something like that. Now the media is roasting Joe Biden for blame shifting. But I want to say something. I want to say something. I think that's a fair point. I, I really, really do. I think Joe Biden gave a speech the other day. It was pretty good. It was. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, Joe Biden is just always wrong or always evil. No, we have to make sure we're actually addressing what was said and what was done and be honest. And the, and the reality is Joe Biden said some things that I think are fantastic and people need to hear. I also think he's desperately trying to deflect blame. And the best thing he could do was get a speechwriter to say the things we wanted to hear. Empty words, my friend. Empty, empty words. Now, I will also point out the irony of the one thing Biden getting praised for speaking I did not think was possible. But here we are. He is getting roasted by the media for this, though. But I, I, I don't want to be that guy who's always like, no matter what Biden does, it's wrong. No, no, I'm not playing Biden derangement syndrome. Biden said we can't send our men and women in uniform to fight a war that the Afghans are not willing to fight themselves. And I'm like, yes, yes. The country fell so quick. It's sad. It really is. And I do think it could have remained if it were not for Biden. I think under Trump, Taliban would have been a bit more scared. I think Trump would have sent in some drones. I think he would have been screaming like as they were advancing, like posting on Twitter, like we're going to. And a lot of people seem to think that he Trump would have start taking militaristic action. Well, I mean, 
it's hard to know exactly what Trump would do. The deadline was originally May 1st. Biden moved it back. And it's remarkable to me. You got to see this video from this guy, Matt Zeller. And, you know, he's very much on the side of getting out. I think it's 86,000 people that should have been evacuated a long time ago. This just goes to show the Biden admin screwed everything up. So I want to make sure this is clear. I'll show you some opinions uh, from some conservatives or, or, or some right wing individuals saying if if Trump gave that speech, people would be praising him for it. And I think that's true. I just think the issue is Joe Biden is empty words. He can come out and say whatever he wants after this this major screw up. It's the least he can do. And of course, I don't think he believes it. But let's get into this. Check it out. Biden is getting absolutely slammed across the board. The Daily Mail says Biden, a quote, Biden alone is responsible. U.S. media blast president for his blame shifting after willful abandonment of Afghanistan, where zero U.S. soldiers have died in the last 18 months. But some left wing press are back on his side. This is absolutely in, in, incredible that the, the, the turn on Joe Biden's approval rating sinking. These images, there's a video right now. Let me let me let me just tell you something, guys. The landing gear on a C-17 is not the same as you'd see on like a plane. And people were sitting on it. And these videos are, are, are horrifying. But, but I think most of us at this point have heard about what's happening and what has happened with Kabul and the evacuation. But let's see how people are responding politically. I think this is important, especially as we, we're moving into 2022 in only a few months. And we're going to start seeing campaign season start. This will be a major, major moment for Republicans. The U.S. media blasted Joe Biden today for his blame shifting over the Afghanistan crisis after the president criticized Afghan leaders and military for refusing to fight while defending his decision to withdraw troops. The Wall Street Journal said in an editorial that Mr. Biden refused to accept responsibility for the botched withdrawal while blaming others. And the one group he conspicuously did not blame was the Taliban. I, I think that's a good point. Like They, they, they stormed in. They, they, it's the, you know, all right, let's read a little bit more. I want to make a point. A Washington Post editorial said he could have listened to the many seasoned hands giving him alternatives to, to withdrawal, adding that him blaming others was unseemly, given that 2,448 U.S. service members died in 20 years. An editorial in the New York Post pointed out that no U.S. soldiers have died in Afghanistan in 18 months, and he alone is responsible for the Taliban takeover, which is an utter catastrophe for Afghans and for world security. Fact, 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 fact. However, I will not, I will not use this. I will not, I will not stand by as people use this to justify nation building and sending American soldiers and Canadian and UK for what reason? We want to go to some other country and build some schools and some buildings and then cross our fingers that in 20 years democracy kicks in? Is that what America is supposed to be? To these people, yes. And for the longest time, yes. And that's a damn shame. This is what the U.S. is. We have troops in Germany. We have troops all over the world. We have bases everywhere. This is what the U.S. is. And I think people need to wake up to what that means. It means that there will not be your tax dollars and your work benefiting you in the way you think. It will not be you and your neighbors coming together for, as a community to say, we want these things for ourselves. No, it's an extraction of your hard work so that the U.S. can be effectively the world police with our tendrils across the board. I suppose the globalists, the internationalists, whatever they, you know, these people want to refer to themselves as are happy about it. Absolutely happy. And they would prefer to see permanent military bases in Afghanistan. Why? Just another colony of the United States. How many people on the left are defending Joe Biden, but also complaining about colonization? It's absolutely laughable. I'm not a staunch nationalist. 
I actually fall rather in the middle between global and international interests. I certainly think the U.S. can be relatively open to a certain degree. I don't mean open borders or anything like that. But I think we can be more involved on the, on, on the world stage, just not more involved to the point where we have military bases everywhere. And look, it, it, it breaks my heart. It really does. Seeing all of this, it breaks my heart. You look at these photos of the, the modernization in Afghanistan. People talk about the photos in, uh, from the 70s of people wearing jeans and T-shirts. And then you get the rise of the Mujahideen, the U.S. supporting these, these, these uh, f- groups, these individuals against the Soviet Union. And it all comes back to, to uh, communism, I guess ideological battles, the U.S. providing weapons to groups. They said, we'll resist the Russians. And then what happens? Those groups go on to form Al-Qaeda, the Taliban. And now here we are trapped in a mess of our own making. The U.S. decided, I guess, what, what, what were they thinking? What, man, I'm not going to pretend to be a historian on this stuff. I look back at everything the U.S. has been doing there, and it seems like the U.S., knowing that they botched Afghanistan because of fighting against the Soviets, are now trying to, what, turn it into South Korea or uh, Japan, putting permanent U.S. presence in there? Let me just say, there's a lot of people that are going to start using this. Look at this. The Washington Post said he could have get, uh, many seasoned hands giving alternatives to withdrawal. No way, dude. The withdrawal was the right thing. It was the right thing, in my opinion. We are not uh, the stewards of Afghanistan or any of these other countries for that matter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should say, I wish we weren't because it seems like we actually are. A really good point brought up the other day on Timcast IRL with uh, Yossi Gestetner. He said, why are people upset about having a couple thousand, you know, 2,000 troops in Afghanistan? I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying he was uh, in favor of. He was saying an interesting question is, we have troops stationed in South Korea right now. No one, where has been the mass call for, for removal of our troops from South Korea? It's an interesting point. It really is. I think people should consider that and should think about what that means. Why do we have troops in South Korea? Because North Korea would storm in and the evil dictators would take over and It'd be horrifying for the people of South Korea. Why did the U.S. intervene in the past? Why did they intervene in Afghanistan? It seems like what's happening in Afghanistan is still just a remnant of what happened with the Cold War. The U.S. wants to build a, I don't know, liberal democracy or whatever they want to call it. I kind of wish we, we weren't, I suppose. I don't know. But maybe it's foolish. Maybe it's foolish because in the end, what do we get? A lack of security and instability? I don't know what to say other than let me let me just show you more of what we're seeing from the media. They say CNN, left leaning CNN, a retired soldier said Afghanistan's collapse was willful abandonment. I do agree with that. And that the withdrawal of U.S. forces left the tribes of Afghanistan little choice but capitulation. I, I, I think Joe Biden did it wrong. We, we talked about it last night. If Donald Trump was in, in office, I know you, people don't like Donald Trump, but you got to hear it because it's the truth. Trump would not have allowed this. Trump ordered the withdrawal for May 1st. There was 14 months to prepare. They would have gotten rid of a, a lot of the military equipment if they knew it was going to fall, or they would have used drone. I, we, we talked about this on, on, on IRL numerous times with veterans saying you can have a very, very small contingent with a drone presence and you're good. And it turns out, I think, I think they were all right. Instead, Joe Biden's just like, I don't know how to do this. So. This is what you vote. This is what you get when you vote against an administration, not for. They voted to elect against. They didn't vote vote for Joe Biden. They didn't say Joe Biden's pretty, you know, not great, but I'll take him. They said Trump is bad. I don't care who. There was that article from The Atlantic. Stay alive, Joe Biden. I'm not kidding. They're going to say 
Other U.S. media defended Biden, including The New York Times, which said that the calamity cannot be laid alone at the president's feet. And that his decision to pull out uh, all U.S. troops took courage and wisdom. I can respect. It's an interesting argument, isn't it? I'm I'm glad that Joe Biden said we're going to follow through and we're going to end this. Man, think about what that means for the United States actually doing nation building in the United States. Think about the vast swaths of emptiness we have on the West Coast. Uh, Population density is substantially higher in the East Coast. Why aren't we developing cool stuff in our own country? Why are we developing stuff in Afghanistan? You know, I I, I, it's because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, they want a a a homogenous global culture, I suppose. The U.S. goes there, wants people to behave more like we do. It's, is it not colonization? Shouldn't the left be all over this saying we shouldn't be there? And a lot of them probably are. The Atlantic said no critic of Biden or Trump's withdrawal decision has offered a coherent alternative plan beyond indefinite American occupation. Adding the withdrawal was not a strategic failure. It was. That's absurd. An LA Times opinion piece said Mr. Biden made tough and correct choice to withdraw and and end a losing effort in search of an unattainable goal and that he was right to stand by his decision to end the mission. I'll tell you this. Out of everything that's been said, Matt Zeller, I think, makes a very important point. When MSNBC says, you know, it was a good speech, he says, I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled that there was such a profound, bold faced lie in that speech. Wow. Matt Zellner, uh, I'm sorry, Matt Zeller. He says the idea that we plan for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. Nobody listened to us. Biden said in his speech, I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we're still there. We were clear eyed about the risks. We plan for every contingency. But Biden said, I always promise to be straight with the American people. Zeller, a U.S. combat veteran, said they didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks that we only need to take 2000 people. There's 86000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. Wow. This guy knows better. This guy works on it. This guy's a combat vet. And I think Joe Biden is just trying to save face. So I want to throw it to Matt Walsh real quick. And Cassandra Fairbanks, as you know, Cassandra Fairbanks works for TimCast.com and she's a good friend. She said, I'm sorry, but that was a good speech. I know he botched a withdrawal and didn't address it, but the speech was well written. Kudos to the speechwriter. I agree. I do. This is a really interesting moment for us because you're seeing the tribal lines kind of just split. I see a lot of people tribalistically saying Biden's too stupid. The speech was bad and everything was wrong. And I'm like, I'm not playing that game. I liked when he said the Afghan nationals won't even fight for themselves. Why should we? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at least with the U.S. bases in Europe, you had a resistance against world uh, against Nazi Germany. In this instance, these people within hours had just given everything up to the Taliban, in which case Biden was right. There was no good time to withdraw something many of the anti-interventionists and anti-war people have been saying for a long time. Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire says 95% of the speech was something Trump might have delivered and everyone on the right would have loved it if he did. You are correct in your assessment. Obviously, Biden is, is a lying, incompetent, dementia-ridden buffoon. But that's besides the point. Yes, absolutely. Here's why it's important. With what Joe Biden said about the failures of Afghanistan, 
it has vindicated so many people, the more libertarian individuals of the anti-war left, right, whatever. Ron Paul, especially. I remember thinking back to what he said, and I mentioned this before, prescribing the wrong medication and staying on it makes no sense. You've got to get it off. Why were we still there? We knew it wasn't going to work 15 years ago. Now, I'm glad Joe Biden followed through. I'm more glad that Donald Trump came in and laid down the hammer. You know why? Joe Biden pointed out that we drew down from like 15,500 troops, which is insane, to 2,500, which is a lot better. I was talking to Sean Parnell, right? He's running for Senate and PA. And I was talking about Iraq and Afghanistan. And I can't remember if he was referring to one specifically, but he mentioned having a small uh, contingent of, you know, trained officers, very small, and some drone operations, and you are good. And I'm like, I'll take that compromise, 100%. If it avoids what's happening in Afghanistan now, I will say, okay, okay, okay. You've got people who are, who are angry and don't want to see it completely fall to the Taliban, and I don't. I don't like the idea that the U.S. is over there in the first place. I wish we cared more about our own country and our own people. And that's something every leftist should be behind, but they're all internationalists, so I guess they don't care. These, you know, you want to talk about universal health care. You want to talk about helping the working class. Come on. But we can, have, we can have foreign policy interests. Okay, I respect that. We made a mistake. We botched it up. 15,000. Why are, why, that's nuts. Maybe a small group, drone operations. I would be willing to accept that begrudgingly because I don't think we should have been there in the first place. Instead, it's, it, you know, it's all or nothing. But, it, it, but I will say, it isn't just, the tribalism is, is fascinating. What's fascinating now especially is you can see who's being honest with you about their principles and who's a grifter. Yeah. Cassandra Fairbanks said she liked the speech. Jennifer Rubin of the Washington Post said she liked the speech too. And, and people are criticizing Cassandra as if she's done something wrong. No, she's just being honest with you as she does. Cassandra says, that's exactly what I said while I was watching it. I turned to tweet Brett Mack and was like, Trump could have given this and everyone would be like, heck yeah. Obviously, he sucks and was avoiding the obvious issues people have. But the speech itself was well written and I liked a lot of the lines. I, I completely agree. Matt says, get ready. Republicans are going to fully revert back to neocon globalist interventionism. They took a break from that stuff for four years in order to align with Trump. But now they will get back to their roots. Cassandra says, I'm watching it happen in real time, and it's really disappointing, feeling extra politically homeless the last few days. She's, uh, and then going on to mention, uh, in terms of being, uh, being an isolationist, someone said non-interventionalist is better than isolationist. Isolationism is the jackal's term to discredit non-intervention. And Cassandra said, no, isolationist is what George Washington and the majority of Americans were before World War II, when the people who wanted us to join had to demonize the people fighting against that. Washington and Jefferson knew what's up. Quote, it is our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliance with any portion of the foreign world. It was George Washington's farewell address to us. The inaugural pledge to of Thomas Jefferson was no less clear. Peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations entangling alliances with none. <laughs> I'm not an isolationist. I disagree with Cassandra in that regard. I am anti-interventionist to a great degree. And I've asked these questions because I'm not, I'm not an absolute, I'm not a moral absolutist. I'm not going to sit here and be like, my positions are set in stone. I will never change. You know, I've talked about what happens if China moves to take Taiwan. Do we protect our allies? No, because Cassandra's pointing out not that the founding fathers were like no to these alliances that would get us involved in these foreign wars. I wish it were so simple. And I wish I was, I, I could, I could agree for the most part, 
I would say I lean towards anti-intervention. How do I explain? Okay, with like Afghanistan, never should have happened. With Iraq, never should have happened. With Taiwan, if they're an ally of ours and they ask for help and they provide strategic resources to us, I think we should provide to a great degree deterrence and we should defend them. I don't think we're in that we're in that world anymore. I think people are fed up with this. And 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 I'll put it this way. I would love to be more isolationist, but I do think we need resources. We need trade. So maybe, okay, so maybe you're saying you're an isolationist, but you don't necessarily mean just trade. Well, there are certain things that we get from other countries that are harder to get here. And I can respect that we're going to have those alliances, those treaties and 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 that trade. I don't see why the U.S. should be going and fighting wars in other countries like Afghanistan. However, I do understand what happens when the Soviet Union is growing and growing and communism is taking over the world. And you sit there and you ask yourself, if we do nothing and say they're not bothering us, we can mind our own business. What happens when they use authoritarian force to take whatever they want? And then in 50 years, the Soviet Union is global domination, North Africa, Europe, all of Asia. And then the U.S. is like, well, we're secure in our borders. What happens then when they start spreading their influence to Central and South America, to poorer nations? And they were. I mean, you look at Cuba. You look at a lot of the socialist revolutionaries, you look at Venezuela. What happens then when the U.S. is surrounded on all sides by communists saying, we are going to eventually storm in to liberate the people from your capitalism? It's entirely possible it would happen. And then you look at what the U.S. does in return. I I definitely think the U.S. uh, is way better than communists were, but it's not just so easy to say we can ignore everything. Granted, that is not an excuse for intervention. That is not an excuse for going to Afghanistan. It's not an excuse for Vietnam or even South Korea. But it's very, very difficult to know what's right. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I have tremendous respect for Cassandra and Matt Walsh saying they liked the speech because I certainly did too. I'm not going to pretend to be the arbiter of truth and absolute morality because I honestly don't know. I'd like to believe that we could just stay back, secure our borders. That's how I play the game Civilization. You ever play Civilization? When I play Civilization, I don't go on World Conquest. It's a great game. If you're not familiar with it, you're basically, you start off as like small settlers and then you build cities and then build your civilization, develop technology. And there's a bunch of different ways to win. I always just try to, you know, my country first, make sure my people are doing right by themselves, make sure we have proper defenses, make sure we have the best technology. But sometimes you're playing a game and the enemy nations or some nation is aggressive and they want to steal your resources and they're massive and they come at you. It's not easy. I, I think everybody wish, I think everybody thinks they have the answer, but I, I honestly just don't. That's why I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll end with this. I, I can't give you anything definitive out of a segment like this other than everybody thinks they have the answer. But this is interesting. It looks like the current cultural paradigm has been slammed with a sledgehammer. Some people on the left are pro-war, some are, are anti-war, some on the right are pro-war, some are anti-war, and people are not trying to figure out what's happening with this. Joe Biden gave a speech that I actually, uh, to a great degree, liked. I say great degree because I still think he passed the blame, and I, I, I want to make sure I, I don't forget to say that, so I was going to say that earlier. Joe Biden is, is only saying this now. He doesn't really believe it. They, if, if Trump didn't draw down the troops from 15,000, they would have stayed and they would have said, we have no choice. And Joe Biden would have just tried to brush under the rug. If Hillary Clinton got elected, we would still be in Afghanistan. We would still be spending our money and sending U.S. men and women to go and secure a nation that doesn't want to secure itself. The Taliban wants to secure it. They want control of it. 
It's tough. I wish I had the answers for you. I wish I did. But I hope that what I've said at least allows you to consider some things because I can't tell you what to do. And that's why people say, oh, Tim's a milquetoast fence sitter. Yeah, because I don't know everything, man. I I could come out and be like, we must never, ever engage in foreign military stuff ever again. We should be isolationist. And then what, in 10 years, we've got, you know, crisis at our southern border, which we already do. But I mean, like military conflict. I don't know. I am not the, the smartest person in the world. All I can simply say is, We've done stupid things for stupid reasons. We should have followed the evidence and and we should have done this from the get go. There is no great global threat right now with Afghanistan. Sure, we're concerned about China. Let's keep our focus on China. Why we remained in this country is beyond me. I suppose they just said, well, if we leave, it'll fall. So we might as well stay. That's stupid. So Joe Biden was right in that point. I don't know. Believe whatever you want. Tell me I'm wrong. Comment. Let me know what you think. I think there's something we're going to debate. I'm glad there's, there's some nuance in the debate. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. On July 15th, a disturbing story was reported by CNN. Tennessee's former vaccine manager said she was sent a dog muzzle before she was fired. She went on with, I believe it was Anderson Cooper and said, you know, the muzzle was to tell me to shut up, to stop telling people to get vaccinated because the establishment left, the Democrats keep pushing this narrative that Republicans are anti-vax when they're not. Donald Trump is begging you to give him credit for the vaccine because it has reduced cases substantially. Now, there's some new information coming coming out about boosters and efficacy, and I'll get into that in the, in the main segment. If you're listening on the podcast, you'll have heard it. But Republicans have long been in favor of vaccines. Ron DeSantis went out and was advocating for it, saying this is the ticket to reopen the state, basically. And they want to keep pushing this narrative that Republicans are anti-vaxxers, which is the weirdest thing. Now, certainly populist libertarian types and, you know, Trump supporting conservative types may be skeptics, as are many PhDs, but that's different from GOP leadership. As it turns out, my friends, because you clicked the title of this video, an investigation reveals that she sent it to herself. Apparently, she is denying this, saying, no, no, I was hacked. But uh, the story is quite interesting. And it plays into a bigger narrative of the lies that we are constantly inundated with by the establishment. This is the perfect example. We've seen the hate crime hoaxes. Here we have what appears to be another hoax. And, I, and I'm still saying appears to be, even though an investigation said the, the, the credit card was tied to her, it was her name. I want to make sure I say that because I'm still willing to say maybe her grand conspiracy that she actually bought her own dog muzzle, sent it to herself, claimed someone else sent it to her. Maybe there is a grand conspiracy to frame her for this. Or maybe she was actually just fired for being bad at her job and she's trying to retaliate by lying and CNN, the fake news media machine, gobbles it all up and spits it back in your faces. Now, you may have seen another story. This one's from a couple days ago. The co-founder of Snopes wrote dozens of plagiarized articles for the fact checking site. Amazing. Snopes, which is supposed to be telling you the truth and fact checking things was actually just plagiarized garbage, which means the people writing the fact checking didn't actually fact check. They just copy and pasted from other articles. Well, I believe it was just the one guy. But you know what? Snopes is trash. Take a look at this first story. I want to show you how it was framed. This, my friends, is important. 
Okay, I am going to break. We're going to go through exactly how the media plays dirty games. CNN did not vet this story. They just found some woman who claimed that someone did something nasty and they're like, this will get us clicks and traffic and the ratings are in the trash. CNN reports Dr. Michelle Fiscus, a pediatrician who served as Tennessee's medical director of vaccine preventable diseases and immunization, was fired Monday in the week prior to her termination. She received a package containing a dog muzzle, she told CNN's Anderson Cooper Wednesday. <clears throat> Interesting. Uh, CNN, did you fact check this? Did you vet this? Did you call the shipping company? No. Did you check Amazon? No. Did you ask her for receipts? No. They didn't do anything. They're just like, hey, here's a story. Fiscus has been at the center of a political battle in Tennessee over the vaccination of adolescents against COVID-19. Before she was terminated, Fiscus released a memo citing Tennessee state law about whether minors may get medical care without their parents' permission. Backlash to the memo from state lawmakers was swift and comes amid political polarization of vaccines as experts urge Americans to get their doses of disinform- uh, 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 to get their doses and disinformation continue- continues to drive large portions of the population away. I am loving this. Bravo, CNN. In an article which is disinformation, actually fake news, they blame other people for fake news. Fiscus said prior to her termination, a large Amazon package was delivered to her state office addressed to her. Inside, she found a dog muzzle. There was no note, and Fiscus said she contacted Amazon to try and determine who sent the muzzle. Amazon refused to reveal the sender, Fiscus said. Mm -hmm. CNN has reached out to Amazon for comment. Okay, so to be fair, sure. At first, I thought it was a joke and contacted a few friends, and then when no one claimed it, I realized that that was something that was sent to me as a kind of message. At the advice of others, she said, uh, she said reported the incident to the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security, which confirmed to CNN it is investigating the dog muzzle package. Oh, really? Fiscus said she told her husband, they obviously didn't know me because they sent me a size three, which is for beagles, and I'm obviously a pit bull, which requires a size six. six. Fiscus said she's keeping the muzzle as a souvenir. How news should work. Someone contacts me and says, Someone sent me a dog muzzle and I say, okay, is it being investigated? Yes. Can I get the information from the people doing investigation? Then I would call the, you know, law enforcement and they'd say, we're investigating. I'll say, what can you tell me about it? We don't know yet. And I'll say, all right, well, can you give me an update when we know? Because I have nothing to report. What did CNN report? A woman told us a thing. Are you kidding me? So I can call someone to make a claim and you'll run the story? Yes. If it makes Republicans look bad, if it's pro-establishment, they will run it without any definitive conclusion as to what happened. How is that news? Breaking news. A deer is outside. Okay. Why is, why is that news? Well, there's a deer. And? There's a deer outside. You know, I see him all the time. Behind me, behind the camera is a window and there's a deer. The point is, news, I think, matters in the sense of like something hap- is happening when it's like you see a dude storm into a building and he's armed. You're like, a guy storm into a building is armed. Like, people want to know about that. But if someone says, I got a package in the mail with a muzzle in it, you're like, okay. Like, that, I don't know what to tell you about that. CNN just blindly reports it. And that brings me to post-millennial. Investigation finds ex-Tennessee vaccine official bought threatening package that was sent to her. Amazing. An investigation into a dog muzzle allegedly mailed to a former vaccine manager's Tennessee home as a form of intimidation was closed Monday after it was revealed the muzzle was purchased with her own credit card. <laughs> Amazing. 
Dr. Michelle Fiscus, a pediatrician, was terminated in July as Tennessee's medical director of vaccine preventable diseases and immunization after she published a memo advocating for minors to obtain medical care without their parents' permission. CNN's Anderson Cooper had Fiscus on 360 to talk about the dog muzzle on the show. Fiscus quipped that whoever sent her the dog muzzle obviously didn't know her. Yeah, 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 I get it. Because a size three is for beagles and I'm a pit bull. Fiscus had described her termination as a political move by Republican officials seeking retribution against her. She told investigators that the muzzle was a threat, intoning that she should stop talking about vaccinating people. What Republican is coming out and screaming these things? Save a small handful in Congress. Most Republicans are like, go and get it, whatever. Talk to your doctor about what's right for you. But according to the health department, Fiscus was fired for lousy interpersonal communication skills, poor management, and attempting to direct state funds to a nonprofit she founded. Look at that. It seems like she was trying to siphon money. She is a bad person. Stop letting these people manipulate you. They, they take advantage of your good faith. CNN props them up because CNN is garbage. Wake up to the mainstream media. I know it's pointless. I'm preaching to the choir. But maybe, just maybe, there's somebody who's watching a video of mine for the first time, and they're like, I trust the media. Look what CNN runs. The woman faked it, according to the investigators. She faked it. She's denying it, but she faked it. Look look, look how far she goes. Well, first, let me show you this tweet. Someone said, you, uh, someone tweeted, you can go back in time and leave a note for yourself in mid-March 2020, in the first few days of the lockdown. You will know it's from your future self. What do you write? She said, dear future me. It's March 20. And guess what? By mid-August 21, you will have been sent a dog muzzle, been fired from your job for sharing a Tennessee law with doctors, sold your house and decided to move to Virginia, all because Tennessee sides with COVID. No, I'm not drunk. Brace yourself. Fiscus and her husband had claimed in multiple interviews that the muzzle was sent anonymously to her state office before her termination. But an investigation by the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security discovered that the muzzle was purchased from Fiscus's own American Express credit card, according to Axios. Fiscus had falsely claimed to have received the muzzle as a threat a week before her termination and denied the veracity of the report on Monday in a tweet. Hold tight. No, I didn't send it to myself. She said, Regarding the muzzle, I asked Homeland Security to investigate the origin, just provided a redacted HS report by Axios Nashville. Report says a second account was made under my name from a phone in Washington, waiting on unredacted report. Hold tight. No, I didn't send it to myself. Quote, we have now learned that a second Amazon account had been established under my name, she said, using what appears to be a temporary phone in Washington. Okay, the TDOSHS subpoenaed Amazon records and discovered two accounts in the official's name, one which Fiscus allowed the agency to review and another which was used to purchase the muzzle. Fiscus is now claiming the second account associated with her was fabricated by someone else in an elaborate plot to send her a dog muzzle and essentially frame her for sending it to herself. According to the report, the American Express card used as payment on the account was a match for the first American Express card that was used to purchase the muzzle on the second Amazon account, which was in Fiscus's name. You mean to tell me it's an elaborate conspiracy that somebody made a fake account with your name, with your stolen credit card to send you a dog muzzle so that you would go on TV with it and then get discredited later when the investigation revealed you did it yourself? No, these are these are stupid people. They are lying to you all the time. Imagine, imagine 
still falling for these lies after so long. I've fallen for them before. You have, I'm sure we all did because we all are trusting people. We're not bad people. We want to have faith that people are acting, acting in good faith. And they call me a grifter? Yeah, right. This lady staged this to get airtime, to push a lie because she is a psychopath. She is a sociopath. She has no scruples nor any empathy for human beings. The report, oh, here's the say. Based on the information provided to us by Amazon via subpoena and on information derived from interviews, there is no evidence to indicate the dog muzzle was intended to threaten Dr. Fiscus. The report concluded the result of this investigation indicate that purchases from both Amazon accounts were charged to the same Amex credit card in the name of Dr. Michelle D. Fiscus. At the time, there appears to be no threat toward Dr. Fiscus associated with receipt of the dog muzzle. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Apparently, she was fired because she was bad at what she did. But this is what passes off as news. Now, I'm not trying to uh, uh, just act like the media is always bad. Obviously, I'm using news articles in my stories. Axios exposed this. I'm just saying, why did they put her on TV in the first place? CNN is gutter trash. Don't put her on TV. But it was salacious. It was shocking. It was given that little tiny head of that orange man bad. Oh, so good. During the Trump years, man, they got so much. During the Trump years, they were just screaming Trump's name. The far right, the Republicans. Oh. And now that it's not happening anymore, now that it's Biden, now that it's Afghanistan, this is something where they're like, ooh, this will play well for the pathetic audience that we've built. The, 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 the only remaining people watching CNN are those who are just going through withdrawals about how, why they hate Donald Trump. Which brings me to the report from BuzzFeed you may have seen. It's all fake, isn't it? It's all fake all the way down. The co-founder of Snopes wrote dozens of plagiarized articles for the fact-checking site. Wow. How hard is it to actually just fact-check? Apparently, what he was actually doing was just copying and pasting other people's articles without actually fact-checking. And that's probably why Snopes got so much wrong and, and does. And hey, check it out. It's BuzzFeed that did the investigation. So I am not saying they're all bad all of the time. They just have a tendency to do bad for political reasons, and you got to be careful about your sources. Here's the story from BuzzFeed. The co-founder of Snopes wrote dozens of plagiarized articles for the fact-checking site. David Mickelson, the co-founder of the fact-checking website Snopes, has long presented himself as the arbiter of truth online, a bulwark in the fight against rumors and fake news. But he has been lying to the site's tens of millions of readers. A BuzzFeed News investigation has found that between 2015 and 2019, Mickelson wrote and published dozens of articles containing material plagiarized from news outlets such as The Guardian and the LA Times. After inquiries from BuzzFeed News, Snopes conducted an internal review and confirmed that under a pseudonym, the Snopes byline and his own name, Mickelson wrote and published 54 articles with plagiarized material. The articles included such topics as same-sex marriage licenses and the death of David Bowie, a pseudonym. This is truly incredible stuff. I want to show you NewsGuard. I use NewsGuard, right? That, uh, just for uh, a bias check. I think NewsGuard is very biased. Notice how in their uh, uh, list, BuzzFeed gets a 100 out of 100. Good for them. They say the site provides names of content creators along with either contact or biographical information. Green check. 
could work BuzzFeed. And that's because you can go up and you can see someone like Dean Sterling Jones, the contributor, not an employee, a contributor. And if you click their name, you get taken to information or contact information about them. For Snopes to be using a pseudonym, they are publishing fake news. Okay, maybe it's a little harsh. Some people have pen names for, for a reason. But when you have a guy who writes under his own name and a fake name, that's amazing. Oh, and the Snopes byline. That is an attempt to obfuscate. If, you're, if your name is, you know, uh, John Doe and you're like, well, I don't want my real name to be out there, so I'll just use a pseudonym with my photo and bio, and that will be my, my public persona. That's fine. As long as we can track back your articles to you, we know what you look like, we know who you are, I don't care what we call you. We can read about you. Maybe you just don't want your real name to be revealed because you don't want people looking up your private records or anything like that. But, uh, you know, you've got people like Jack Murphy, for instance. Jack Murphy is not his real name. I think, you know, most people know that, or maybe they don't. But, uh, you know, he made a joke about it online. But he calls himself what he wants to call himself. That's fine. It's absolutely fine. Jack's a good dude. In this instance, the guy from Snopes was using three different bylines to trick you into thinking different people were writing. Now, isn't that amazing? After inquiries from BuzzFeed, Snopes conducted an internal review and confirmed that under a pseudonym, the Snopes by in his own name, he was writing these articles. Snopes VP of editorial and managing editor Doreen Marchioni suspended Mickelson from editorial duties pending a comprehensive internal investigation. He remains an officer and a 50% shareholder of the company. Our internal research so far has found a total of 54 stories Mickelson published that used appropriate material, including all of the stories BuzzFeed shared with us. Marchioni and Snopes chief operating officer Vinnie Green said in a statement, let us be clear, plagiarism undermines our mission and values full stop. You know, what's funny about plagiarism. You could literally go to an article and they'll write like the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. And then you could just write earlier in the day, there was a lazy dog sitting on the ground. It was reported that a quick brown fox had jumped over him. So say at the LA Times, and then you're not plagiarizing. You're just citing. Or you can take the quote, put it in a box and say, according to the LA Times. To, it's how insanely lazy is it to just grab texts and publish it as your own? Mickelson said, there's no excuse for my serious lapses in judgment. I'm sorry. Quote from this. So there's a quote here from 2016. So I was browsing the news and came across an article on the CBS News website about a horrific crime involving a Memphis woman. They, uh, I wondered as I pondered the headline. Memphis mom charged with, yeah, I'm not going to read the specifics. Did this woman murder her children in a bear-like fashion? Or was the mother extremely advanced age? Meet Jeff Zerinandia. During a brief but memorable career, his byline linked to a bio detailing his Pulitzer Prize and his skill at mule skinning appeared in at least 23 Snopes articles on topics like Donald Trump's financial woes and false rumors about Hillary Clinton. His reporting made enemies of hoaxers and fabulists across the political spectrum. But there was no such person. It's just a David Mickelson alt. The post-millennial, according to NewsGuard, because I, I used them in the previous story, uh, once ran stories from people who didn't exist. Basically, somebody wrote a story up, gave them a fake name, and they published it. It was a mistake. They deleted it. Got to do better when you're, when you're getting contributors. I'm not, I won't take contributors unless I know who the person is. Like I can actually see them and meet them and know their name. This, in this instance, we're seeing exactly what that is. Snopes ran articles from someone who did not exist, a fake person with fake opinions and a fake bio. Look at this. It's amazing. We have Snopes, boxer Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, dead at 74, and they just screen, he just grabbed from NBC News on the same day 
Is it? It's just so insane. All right. Why does this matter? Right now, we have authoritarian lockdowns happening across this country. And you have people who are lying to get these things put, put in place. And you have people being lied to who believe it, who then put stupid things in place. How are we supposed to solve for all these problems? How are we supposed to make the country better and make your life better and my life better? How are we supposed to work towards making the world a better place when we have establishment Democrat liars publishing manipulated, fake, deceptive information for personal gain? Why would he do it? Why would the Snopes guy do it? Laziness? Political advantage of some sort? Why would this woman claim she was sent a dog muzzle? She wants to be famous? It's oh so simple. Just send yourself the dog muzzle. It's really funny how these hoaxers are so dumb. Because to be completely honest, it's not hard to figure out how to send yourself a dog muzzle. I mean, it's really easy. She went on Amazon and used her Amex card to order it. Okay, or to be fair, a grand conspiracy was had where someone created a fake account using her name and stole her credit card information to send her a dog muzzle to her workplace in the hope that she would go on TV with it and then be discredited later. Yeah, okay. That's insane. Sorry. No, it's likely because she wants attention and they will lie to get what they want. This is what we're up against. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to challenge, but it's leading to the extreme authoritarianism that we're seeing because these people are psychopaths that will burn everything down figuratively if it means they get even a tiny bit of power. Don't let them speak up now. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.